0: Welcome to the Living Hope Church audio podcast. Join us weekly as Pastor Jeff Myers shares from God's Word. If you'd like more information about Living Hope Church of Dixon, California, please visit our website at livinghopedixon.com. So, we're going we're gonna to dig into our sermon series uh, this morning that we started last week called Chains, where we're working through the book, uh, or the chapter, uh, Romans chapter 8, and I talked about how much I love the book of Romans, and, and uh, just a, uh, just an amazing uh, document, but it is, um, it, for me to go through the entire book would just take forever, so I thought I would uh, dial in on this particular chapter, because I think it's a really good microcosm of of uh, the book overall, and it's just—it's so encouraging, it's so uplifting, it, it's powerful. There's power in these words that we're going to read. And We started last week uh, with with some with kind of a, a barn burner of a message, talking about how we can be set free. In that uh, that first verse, actually said, um, you know, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, and how amazing. Good news that is how incredible that is that we as as much as we struggle you know if you've entered into a relationship with Christ you know what I'm talking about where you you go through this struggle of knowing how you need to live knowing how you want to live and yet struggling with I I just can't seem to do it I'm I feel like I'm constantly failing it's one step forward two steps back whatever it is and really it can be frustrating it can be discouraging at times it can make you feel like why am I even doing this? Because I don't want to be a hypocrite. Like before, like before you came to Christ, you were like, church is just full of hypocrites. And I don't want to be one of those guys. And now you know why it's full of hypocrites. Cause this is really hard. Okay. This is tough. This is tough stuff. And so, uh, but we do that kind of struggle back and forth with our, with our morality. And, and yet in the face of that, as Paul spoke about, cause he talked about that too, how he struggled with it too. And this was, you know, a guy who wrote a good chunk of the Bible saying he struggled with this. And then, now there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We are set free. What needed to be done was done for us on the cross by Jesus. It's not up to us. It's not up to how good we can be. It's a free gift of God, and that is great. That's great news. Now, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who... Really? You're going to leave me hanging? For those who are in Christ Jesus. So, there's, there there's a, there's a little tag there that we didn't talk too much about this week that we're going to talk about this week, or last week that we did, we're going to talk about this week. So if there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, then I want to know what does it mean to be in Christ Jesus, amen? Because I want that no condemnation plan. That's a good plan, okay? And so, if if I want, if what does that mean to be in Christ Jesus? So now that we we hit verses one through four last week, we're gonna start with verse five this week, and we're gonna start dealing with that particular topic. What does that mean to be in Christ Jesus? The last verse we read last week talked a little bit about living in the spirit versus living in the flesh, and he's gonna uh, unpack that in some greater detail today. And uh, and so we're gonna look at that. Because again. If I want that no condemnation plan, that's a good plan to sign up for. So if, if, it's, if it's for those who are in Christ Jesus, I want to know what that means. And I've had a lot of you express concern, like, you know, asking questions like, how do I know? How do I know that I'm really saved? How do I know, you know, that, you know, the Holy Spirit's in, all this kind of stuff. I, and, and, and just lots of questions about, you know, how can you get that assurance? And the Bible actually tells us a pretty good deal about how you can know. And so we're going to look at that. Uh, this morning, so let's let's just uh, take off reading in this. Um, start with verse five, Romans chapter eight, verse five. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, by the way, welcome back, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Kurt Boycelli. Awesome. So, there you go. Very good. Or maybe it's Mr. and Mrs. Corinne Boycelli. I don't know. So we'll see how that plays out. So, we all know how that's going to play out. Okay. So, all right. Romans uh, 8, start with verse 5. It says this For those who live according to the flesh set their mind on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. That's a, that's a good statement to remember. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. So a lot of talk of this life in the spirit versus life in the flesh, what does all that mean? And and uh, and so we're, we're going to kind of dig into that a little bit. We want to be, and just to, to kind of clarify this, we want to be people who are living according to the spirit. Now the Bible teaches that when we come to faith in Christ, when we start our relationships with Jesus Christ, we are in, uh, uh, indwelled by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit now lives in us. He is there to guide us, to uh, to convict us, to keep us on the right path, to, empower us for certain uh, um, um, tasks that God might call us to. He gives us spiritual gifts that will uh, help us along the way in terms of just in our general Christian life and also in terms of living the kind of life or or living according to our calling the way God has called us to maybe special things and you know that sort of thing. So he gives us these gifts. The Holy Spirit indwells all of us. Now let me set something straight. I didn't do this last service. I don't know if you just feel the need to do it. This service, but um, let me set some teaching straight. There's some teaching out there that says that uh, you you come to faith to Christ on one day, and then maybe at some point later later you will uh, be filled with the Holy Spirit, and that you will know you're filled by the Holy Spirit if there is you know miraculous. Uh, gifts like tongues and things like that to happen. Now, this is a whole another sermon I really don't have time to get into, but let me just say that that is not accurate. That is not accurate, that we are taught in the scripture that those who come to faith in Christ receive the holy spirit uh and we all receive various gifts the bible is very clear not all receive the same gifts and 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 that sort of thing so again i don't have a lot of time to get into all that detail but if you have embraced faith if you have started a relationship with jesus christ congratulations you got the holy spirit in you and, and that's, that's a great thing. Now, the reason this is such a big deal and the way why we make it such a big deal was that was a new thing in, that started in the New Testament. Before Jesus, um, you know, when Jesus left, when he resurrected, he said, uh, if you, uh, you know, stick around here, the Holy Spirit's coming, he's going to indwell you and, you know, that sort of thing. Before that point, uh, the, the believers in God did not have the regular presence of the Holy Spirit in their life. That The Holy Spirit, if we read through the New Old Testament, you'll find that the Holy Spirit just came occasionally, empowered people of God for specific tasks or a period of time to do God's work, that sort of thing. But they didn't have that regular guidance of the Holy Spirit uh, the way that we do today. And so it's a, bi- it's a big deal. When we talk about feeling led to do things, when we feel those little nudges from God to make certain decisions or change certain things about our lives or you know, transform, allow God to transform us in different ways... That is through that indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and it is. Uh, we, we live in this uh, you know, time where we've never n- not really known that, but there was a period of time where believers in God didn't have that regular presence in their life, and I can't even imagine what it was like to try to sustain your faith in that period of time, um, but that's not the case today. That's not the case today. So we want to be living in the spirit. So let's, let's, let's kind of dig into that life in the spirit versus life in the flesh. The first thing he says there, if you're living life in the spirit that you're going to have, go ahead and put that up there. Uh, you're going to have the next one, a mindset of life and of peace, a mindset of He says that in the scripture, you're going to have a mindset of life and of peace. Okay. And what that means is, is that we'll start kind of with a literal version of that, which is you're going to have a value for life. You're going to, uh, you're going to, be a, a life-giving, life—you uh, know—affirming um, type person. That you're, you're just going to appreciate, enjoy, suck the marrow out of life. That you're going to—I mean—that's going to be that. that, that God's going to put that uh, passion for life in you and for peace. You're generally going to be a person who seeks peace in situations instead of, con- you're not going to be pulling Jerry Springer, you know, situations on people. You're, you're going to be constantly, you know, just just be a, a, an agent of peace around you in your life, okay? Now, I think that that life and peace thing can go even beyond the literal to sometimes a more, like, in, for instance, in your relationships. If, if, do, do you have relationships where, where you feel like, or that you tend to be Uh, you bring life to those relationships. Anybody know somebody that when you get around them, like you just feel better having been around that person. I love people like that in my life. I wish I was a little bit more of that, uh, you know, in my own life. And I'm sure we all wish that. But but I, I love people who, when I get around them, I walk away feeling like, wow, I just feel better because I was around that person. I feel like I can conquer the world now or at least this part of the day or make it till, you know, uh, my drive home, whatever it is. But I just feel like, I, you know, I can do that. And, 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 those, and when you bring that kind of life and that kind of peace to situations and to, and to people's lives, that's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. The other thing that he says, if you're living life according to the Spirit, is you're going to be submitted to God. That in the details of your life, you're going to be submitted to God. You're going to be a person who on a regular basis, is telling God, God, I give myself to you. Use me as you will. Lead me in the way that you want me to go, even if it makes me uncomfortable. God, whatever you need me to do, I'm yours. I'm submitted to you. God, if there's, if there's sin in my life that keeps me from being close to you or being more like you, God, would you help transform me. I submit to you in that. God, I submit to you in your word. I'm not going to sit and argue with your word and try to figure out if my way is better than your way. I'm just going to assume your way is always the best way and I submit to you in that. You are submitted to God. Now, you take that life versus the, the other one where he talks about being a, living according to the flesh and he says this, instead of a mindset of life and peace, you have a mindset of death. A mindset of death. You're a person who well, let's go back to talking about relationships. Are you that person that tends to... Like, it just seems like all your relationships in your life are constantly crumbling. Constantly crumbling. You're not breathing any kind of life into those relationships. In fact, you're, the only common thread of, of crumbling relationships in your life is you. Right? It's like, you're the, you're, I'm the one that's common in all these bad situations. So maybe, maybe it's something with me. Maybe it's, it's that you... That, that you drag on people, or that you're selfish. I've talked very. I'm going to talk about it in just a little bit. But I, I've talked very often about how that's kind of the one of the big things I struggle with is being a selfish person. My family gets to see the worst side of me in that, and I'm constantly in this state of repentance around them because I, I just tend to be selfish. And and I've, I've, I'm submitting to God and asking Him to change that about me. But are you bringing death around you in your life? Does you know that sort of thing? Uh, is the death of relationships, the death of plans, the death of uh, uh, dreams, the death of uh, opportunities that God has, has put in front of you because you're constantly bucking up against that and always looking at the downside. Always, always, it's like you know you've heard of self-fulfilling prophecies. Like you, 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 you expect the worst is going to happen, and you usually cause it to happen because of that, right? And so we. Are you that person? And then that also, if you're living according to the flesh, according to Paul in this passage, you're a your person that's going to be hostile to God. Hostile to God. Now, we know of people who are obviously hostile to God. People have, who have made themselves enemies of God, right? They, they, they are enemies of the faith. They will say... You know, you, let, let, uh, you know, there are, not every atheist is like this, but there are some atheists out there that are just kind of militant about their atheism, right? And and uh, and kind of ugly. And by the way, there are also some Christians that are kind of ugly about their Christianity too. But um, but but let's just talk about the atheists today. So um, <laughs> so anyway, so the you know there the, there are some you know there are some atheists that are just you know like I I am I place myself squarely against. Uh, the idea of God against the idea of faith against the idea of whatever, and and uh, and they're very uh, obviously hostile towards God. Right now, that's the obvious thing. But I think there's hostility towards God in a lot of us that is much more subtle. That's much more subtle. Uh, the example I like to use is this: if, if you're a parent, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Like you know your kids love you, and they say that you love you, but you know too there are times that they your your kids are just hostile to you, right? But like, like they want to, you know, go kind of up against uh, your direction, your advice, your, uh, you know, your, 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 just telling them what to do. They're just constant hostility, constant, constant hostility. And you can talk a lot of love. And by the way, this is natural for most kids you know, that, that, that they go through. At some point, kids kind of come to a, not only a crisis of faith, but a crisis of who they are, where they got to decide, am I going to be the person that my parents are raising to be, me to be, or am I going to be my own person? Now, some of you have some jacked up parents and your own person is a pretty good plan. But for others of you, your parents aren't doing that great of a job. you're just a rebellious punk, and, and you got you know eventually you've got to come to a realization that, no, my parents care about me, they want the best for me, and, and so uh, maybe they're not so bad, and maybe I should stop being so hostile towards them, right? I think it's kind of the same thing with us and God that at times, um, we can talk a big game about, "Oh, I love my church, I love, I love Jesus, I love this thing, but if you are constantly coming up against God and His guidance and His uh, uh, His commands and you know, everything else and, and it's just it's just this all the time, like you are it's like you can't ever quite just submit and agree uh, with God. You gotta pick every little thing apart or or even or even more uh, seriously, not even so much picking it apart. It's okay to question. There's nothing wrong with questioning things, but when you are Uh, Find yourself arguing with the word of God. Like I know this is the word of God, but God didn't have my life, and I think I know what's best for my life, and so I'm going to go my own way. If you're constantly doing that, I would say you have some hostility towards God, and that some immaturity that needs to be uh, that you need to get rid of, and 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 you need to become a person who is submitted to God. Which is the next thing uh, that, well, like I said, that you are uh, instead of being hostile to God, you need to be submitted to God, submitted to God. Now. The idea of being a person that is submitted to God. <sighs> let me, let me, first of all, let me back up. I, I, I got to hit this. When we talk about living life in the flesh versus life in the spirit, I want you to know this. It is not about being good or being bad. We're not talking about are you making good choices or bad choices. We're not talking about are you, you, know, uh, you know, sinful or not sinful. We're all sinful. Okay, So that, that's, not, that's not the issue that we're talking about. It goes deeper than that. In fact, everything in the Christian life does go deeper. That's what's so frustrating about the Christian life. Jesus himself taught, you know, that you, uh, he said, you know, you, you've heard it said, uh, don't commit adultery. But I say to you, even if you look upon a woman with lust, you've done the same thing. Now, that's a hard uh, standard to live by. But what Jesus is trying to get to is he, what he's saying is it's not just about you obeying the letter of the law. It's about you having a heart that reflects what that command is all about. So if you, if you have never committed adultery on your wife, but you sit and dream about it all day long, does that really make you a better person? No, obviously not. And Jesus is saying, I want to change and transform your heart, not just your actions, not just your actions. Because as Paul spoke to us last week about, there are going to be times when our actions don't quite match our heart, when we sin even though we want to do the right thing. And this is where this part comes into how do you know if you're living life in Christ? I think it really boils down to that one word. Are you submitted to him? Are you submitted to him? I've heard many of you talk to me about, you know, fears about are you, you know, are, do you have assurance of your salvation? Am I really saved? Am I, you know, am I living in Christ? That sort of thing. And a lot of anxiety about that. And obviously so. You want to make sure uh, you are, you know. I really believe it boils down to that one issue. Are you submitted to him? I'll use myself for, as an example. I don't have a lot of anxiety about my faith and whether or not I'm right with God. I believe me and God are okay. I believe, I believe we're, you know, I'm following God, and I, and I believe that I have assurance in my own salvation. And that's not because of how great I am. It's because of how awesome God is. It's because of that what needed to be done in my life was done for me on the cross by Jesus. But now, the reason I don't have the anxiety, even though I'm a sinful person, I occasionally you know, sin and do things I wish I wouldn't do, is because I'm, I'm submitted to Him. You're never going to hit a day when you, st- when you com- are completely rid of sin in your life until we reach the other side of eternity. okay? You're not going to hit that day in this life. But what you can do is become a person who is completely submitted to God, which just means, God, I am yours. Do with me what you will. Uh, I I want you in complete control of my life. I want you in complete control of the way I do family, of the way I do work, of the way I'm a neighbor to my neighbor. I want you in in complete control of all of that. God, I want you in complete, I'm submitted to you in the areas uh, that I struggle in in terms of sin in my life. I am not going to be perfect, but instead what I'm going to do is that God, when when I do sin, I'm right back up. I'm serving you again. I'm, I'm, repenting. I'm I'm asking you for your forgiveness. I'm asking for you to change that and take that out of me. And what happens over time is that we become a little bit more like Jesus over time. We're going to hit that verse that talks about that in just a second. Are you submitted? Are you submitted to God? Are you submitted to him? Now, okay, that verse, we're going to hit it right now. Okay, so it's this. uh, Second Corinthians, this is Paul again writing a letter to uh, the people in Corinth, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, start with verse 15. And what he's talking about here, let me set it up for just a second. He's talking about, uh, he, he's going to make a reference to the law of Moses and, uh, and the people having a veil over their eyes and that sort of thing. And, and what, what he was talking about is that the, the, the children of Israel, back when Moses was leading the children of Israel, um, that they wanted to be known as the children of Israel, they wanted to be known as the people of God. Uh, they liked the miracles, they liked the provision, you know, God was feeding them and giving them water when they needed water and things like that, and, 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 and all, they liked all that stuff. They liked the guidance, they liked the, um, uh, the victory in battle and all that kind of stuff that God was providing for them, but the, the Bible talks about how their hearts were hardened against God, and they were in constant rebellion. They wanted the benefits of living a life as a child of God but they didn't want to actually live as a child of God. They weren't submitted to him. They were rebelling against him constantly. And so when it came to the law, they had a veil over, they could not see things clearly. They couldn't even see their own sin clearly. Okay. So Paul's making a reference to that here. And he says this, yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Now, this, this is great. This is, this is really good stuff right here. I'm, I'm going to kind of unpack it for just a second. That when he's talking about that we have, when we are living in rebellion to God, when we are uh, hostile towards God, so to speak, like we just talked about, there, it's like there's a veil over us where we can't see things clearly. But when we start living lives submitted to God, the veil is removed and suddenly things become, come into focus. They, things come uh, into play more clearly. We can see God more clearly. In fact, it says there, uh, and we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord. It's like when, when, when we take a step of if submission closer to God, it brings us more in line with God's will for our life and God's plan for life. When we do that, when we submit, even in hard areas of our lives, what was unclear becomes more clear. And as we take another step closer to Christ, what was unclear becomes more clear and our focus becomes sharper and we can see the glory of God more clearly. And, and what happens is it says, uh, beholding the glory of God, and we are being transformed into that same image, into the glory of God from one degree of glory to another. From one degree of glory to another. In other words, the closer I get to God, the more I become like him. The more I submit to him and to his plan for my life, the more I become like him. And it's this lifelong process that ends someday whenever we reach eternity and, and, and we're all ultimately uh, you know, transformed and everything that we finally are made into fully the likeness of God, the full glory of God. This, put up that next principle because this is, this is critical. It is, uh, God wants to resurrect you, not resuscitate you. God wants to resurrect you, not, and there's a, there's a critical difference here, okay? When we, you look at stories in the Bible, like uh, when Jesus laid, raised Lazarus from the dead and there was a little girl named Tabitha that was right, and a couple other people that were, that were dead and they were brought back to life. That was not a resurrection, that was a resuscitation, that was one person in one form who died and was resuscitated back into that same form. Resuscitation. Jesus was resurrected. Jesus was resurrected. The reason the others are resuscitation is because they eventually saw death again. Jesus, when he was resurrected, not resuscitated, uh, in fact, there are stories in the Bible where people saw him after the resurrection and they didn't even recognize him right away. In fact, some people walked with him side by side for a pretty good distance before they realized, oh, whoa, whoa, this is Jesus. Somebody that had they, he had, they had, it's not like he got a new hairdo. That's not the thing, right? <laughs> like he was somehow different. There was something, and the Bible talks about that the people saw something familiar yet different about him, and it took him a while to figure out, whoa, this this is Jesus, and it was because they were seeing Christ in his glorified form, in his glorified form. He was resurrected, and when we begin life with Christ, that process of being resurrected from one degree of glory to another begins in us, and it will finally will be consummated in eternity. We will finally be in the image, the full glory of God, of God. But he wants to, but here's the problem. Some of you guys are skipping the resurrection plan and you're trying to do the resuscitation plan and it doesn't work. I gotta tell you this story. When, about six or seven years ago, I had a, first of all, let me, I have to give you a, an opening statement to this story because uh, there were some confused looks in the last service. Um, so what I'm gonna tell you is horrifying, but I give you permission to laugh, okay? That's all I'm gonna say, Okay. So um, six, seven years ago, uh, my, my grandmother died. One of my grandmothers died. And, um, and so we all drove to um, Wichita, Kansas for a funeral. And all of us uh, kind of older male cousins were the pallbearers for the funeral. And, um, and so I went to the funeral. It was, you know, it was really sad and loved my grandma and all that. And, um, and so then we go to get into the, the pallbearers, go to get in the limo uh, to ride out to the uh, grave site. And um, Isaiah at the time was second or third grade. And uh, that's my son. And he, um, he, you know, he was the only, uh, all the other younger cousins were girls. He was the only guy. And so us guys were like, Isaiah, once you ride with us, you can be a Bear too. And so he's like, second grader, like get to carry a dead body, sign me up. You know, he's like, he's like, okay. So, so we, so we're, you know, all of us guys in the limo kind of joking around like guys do. And, and uh, and then the, the, the funeral director, when we get to the gravesite, says, "Okay, you guys are going to line up out on the backside of the hearse, and um, we're going to kind of pass the casket out. It's going to set on a little dolly. We're going to turn the dolly towards uh, towards the gravesite, and then as you guys are on either side, you're going to lift and carry Grandma up up the little uh, embankment there." And so we were like, "Okay." So we're all ready. We we get, we get the casket out. We turn the casket around. The funeral director says, "Lift." we had put Isaiah on uh, the back side of the casket thinking it would not you know he wouldn't really have to lift anything so he's on the back side we're on the sides and uh, so the funeral director says lift we do this and Isaiah goes woof like this i'm not even lying about that and yes it's okay to laugh right now okay so he and 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 i'm not exaggerating we felt Grandma shift okay okay now now here's the here's the thing here's the thing Thank God we get like brand new resurrection bodies because grandma would be in heaven with like, a serious crick in her neck. I just know, okay? So, but Isaiah, I mean, he was just excited to be a part of this and just went woof like this. And we we're like, no, 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 bring it down, bring it down. And, and, uh, and so, but we, we finished out the rest of the process. We, we, we put grandma on the ground and go, we went and had dinner. And so, um, so anyway, all that to say, God, I'm gonna bring it home, I'm gonna bring it home. Here we go. All that to say Some of you, that God is trying to give you a resurrection life and you're just trying to shake grandma awake. You're just trying to, you're just, you're trying to do a weekend Bernie's, weekend at Bernie's thing on God and it's not going to work. It's not, he's not interested in you kind of kicking around your old dead self. He wants to give you something new, something different, something life altering and life changing. Amen. 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 And so some of you have come to This um, weird place where, I'm not even going to call it a relationship, it's just a weird interaction with religion um, where you're just trying to kind of put some life into the old dead body, but there's no change, there's really no relationship with God, you're just trying to move something that's dead, and it's not going to work, it's not going to work. That what... God has for you is something totally new, something totally different. Now, okay, I'm going to say some stuff that's going to get me in trouble, as if that last one wouldn't. So there, there's, a, there's a kind of a belief out there that, that says um, that there's kind of like this, in the Christian faith, there's this magic prayer that you can pray. And when you pray this magic prayer, then you've kind of got God over a barrel and he has to let you in heaven. And, and now that's my simplified version of that belief, but you're not going to find the magic prayer in the Bible anywhere. It's not in the, it's not in the Bible. You have not been called to some sort of moment in time, emotional experience where you never really submit to God. You never really give your life to God. You just had a good cry and went home. That's not, that's not the Christian life. That's not what we're called to. That's not being a disciple at all. You want to know if you're living in Christ. The the question is, are you living in Christ? Are you submitted to him? Again, I'm not talking about perfection here, guys. I'm not talking about you never make a mistake. I'm talking, are you on a regular basis submitted to God? Even in the face of failure, even in the face of weakness, even in the face of defeat, are you still submitted to God? As I go through weak periods of time in my life, I feel like over the years that I've been a Christian, I have more spiritual success than I used to because I'm growing closer to God. I'm doing that one degree of glory to another thing as I walk through my life. But I'm going to be honest with you, just like anybody else, there are periods of time that we go through that we would say, I'm kind of spiritually in a weak season right now. I'm not feeling it. I'm not... um, i I'm, I'm, there's a pattern setting in where I'm maybe not making the best of decisions, but even in those weeks, seasons of weakness, I don't feel like I'm out of God's will or out of, or away from God, I should say. I don't feel like my salvation is jeopardy. Why? Because I'm, I'm living submitted to God. I'm living submitted to God and it's a process. It's a process. So this is the, I'm not trying to put a fear in anybody's mind that, oh, am I saved? Am I not saved? That's not what I'm trying to do. What I'm trying to say is just to get you to ask the question, did, did I have this kind of experience with religion or have I actually entered into a relationship with God that involves me submitting to him? That involves me following him, following him. That, that's the critical issue. The Bible Bible says there'll be some that that get to heaven and cry out, Lord, Lord, and and, and God's going to say, I I never knew you. I never knew you. And why? Because these people have fooled themselves into believing they were living for God when when all they did was have some sort of experience with religion that really had no changing in their life at all. Why? Because they never actually started following God. We refer to Jesus as Lord and Savior. And some of you are interested in a Savior, you want to get rid of all that guilt but you're not interested in the Lord, and it's a, it's a package deal, are you following Jesus? Again, not saying perfection. I'm not saying perfection. I'm not saying you have to get saved over and over and over again. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that if you're following Jesus, you're generally submitting to him, you're, you're following him. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? You're following him. Versus just, I had this moment in time where I had a good cry and went home and started going to church. I believe there's going to be some church people someday that are like, what Jesus talked about. I never knew you. Why? Because he never knew you. Because you never gave him the opportunity to know you. You never actually engaged him in a relationship. You just had some sort of religious experience. When we talk about religion versus relationship, it's not just something that we say. It means a lot. Do you have a relationship with Jesus that survives even the face of fear and failure and everything else? I'm going to talk one more time about my kids in just a second, and I'm just going to say something that you could, pro- if you're a parent in the room, you can apply to all your kids. I know you could. Um, even in a pastor's family, um, like, like we don't have perfect kids. I, wouldn't, I live in a pastor's family. I wasn't a perfect kid. Uh, I have pastor's kids. They're not perfect kids. Uh, they're just like your kids. They're just like your kids, okay? They're kids are kids are kids, okay? Now, I say that just to say this. They're, the goal of my, Jamie have, I, and I have talked about this. Our goal is not to raise our kids from birth to age 18, having never made a mistake. That's not our goal. First of all, we would completely fail at that goal as much as you would, right? My goal for my kids is that we raise them in such a way that at some point when they do, not if, but when they do make a mistake or have a moral failure or whatever else, that even in the face of that failure, they know God loves them and he forgives them and they immediately turn to him. That's my goal. Failures are going to happen. Mistakes are going to happen. There's going to be things my kids do and have been things that my kids do that I wish I could have prevented or, or kept them from or whatever. But in the face, even in the face of failure, it's what, it's what I want for you. It's what we all want for each other, is it not? That even in the face of failure, we know there's a God who loves us, that forgives us, and we turn to him immediately. Perfection is something we can't strive for, but we can strive for that concept of commitment, commitment. And I, what I, in other words, what I'm saying is what I want for my kids is for them to have a relationship with Jesus, a relationship. And so far, so good. So far, so good. That's what I want for all of us in this room. Put aside the, you know, the the, the religion thing, like, okay, uh, I haven't been to church in, you know, four weeks, so this is why my life's falling apart, so I better go to church. It's like you're rubbing a rabbit's foot or something, right? That's not how God works, I mean, you know, you should be in church, and your life will fall apart if you're not in church. in i season, <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but, but my whole point is this, is that when you have a relationship with Christ, um, it carries you through the toughest of times, and the tough times are going to happen. You can't avoid them. They're just going to happen. You lo- we all look ahead into our futures. I'm, I, we're going to stop in just a second, but we all look ahead into our futures. And nobody here is like, if I was to say, you know, what do you see for your life, you know, in the next 10 years, nobody here is going to say in the next 10 years, I'm going to um, um, cheat on my husband. I'm going to embezzle money from my work. I'm going to uh, neglect my children. Uh, nobody here like predicts that in their future. Do, they, do we? No, we, we, we look to what might be, what could be. But this is, what, this is the thing that I love about God is that God knows your future and he knows that you may make some of those mistakes and it may be even worse and even still he loves you and forgives you. Even still. Develop a relationship with God that will carry you through the toughest of time, a commitment to him, a following of him. No, you don't have to be perfect. You just gotta follow him. You just gotta be in a relationship with him. And that's the beauty of this life. Do I wish I was more perfect? Absolutely, I wish I was more perfect. Why? Because I love God. I I, I wish I could live a life that was perfect so I could be more pleasing to him. But, But I have to embrace the fact that I'll never be perfect. And the reason it's okay for you to embrace the fact that you'll never be imperfect is because God embraced it long ago and he's okay with it. Yeah, he's going to, he, he loves you enough that he's not going to leave you. He loves you just the way you are, but he's not, he loves you enough that he's not going to leave you just the way you are. He's going to work on you. He's going to transform you. He's going to, he's going to move you from one degree of glory to another for the rest of your life. And God and things become more clearly and come into focus more clearly. We begin to see more. We begin to understand more. We become closer to God. We become more like him. It's a lifelong process. But you know, you want to know if you're saved or not? The question is, are you following Jesus? Are you following him? And guess what? Even if you're failing, you can be following him. I know that sounds really contradictory. It sounds like I just gave you an easy out or whatever. And some of you are like, no, don't say that. You're just giving permission to go sin. I don't have to give you permission. You're going to do it anyway. We're all going to do it anyway. It's just dealing with what's reality. We're not perfect, but God is, and he paid our price for us. Amen. That's it. That's it. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And uh, we thank you so much for your word to us today. And we thank you that there is still, uh, even in the face of this message this week, there is still therefore now no condemnation for those of us that are in you. And we are so thankful that you have set us free from the penalty of sin and death, that you have set us free from having to live perfect lives to make a way to you, God, that you, you paved that way to us through the cross, to you through the cross. And uh, we thank you for that freedom. We thank you that where the spirit of the Lord is, which is in our lives, if we're following you, we thank you that there's freedom in that, God. And as much as I hate the fact that I'm not perfect, as much as I hate the fact that I, or that I wish I could live a more perfect life for you than I do, God, where your spirit is, there is freedom. And I feel great freedom in knowing, in, in knowing you and in placing my faith in you. There's great freedom in that. So God set us free from our sins. Set us free from this religion that fools us and 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 tricks us into believing that uh, whatever it makes us believe. God instead develop a relationship with you in us. Develop that in us. We love you. We love you, God. If there's anybody in the room right now that that needs to uh, for the first time enter into a relationship with you and um, start following you. God, would you just bring them to that place right now Would your Holy Spirit just convict them and draw them closer to you right now and where they sit, would, just where they sit in the quietness of this moment, God, would would they just step out on faith and just lead them to step out on faith and pray a little prayer to you right now and just say, Lord, I I know I'm not perfect. Would you forgive me? Would you transform me? I want to follow you done life my way, and I want to do it your way now. I want to follow you. God, would you help them just to enter into that relationship with you right now? Right now. God, for those of us in the room that maybe have already started relationships with you, but we live in this constant state of doubt and, you know, listening to the voices of our our enemy telling us we're not good enough, God, would would you just set us free? Would you remind us that where your spirit is in our lives, there is freedom. And help us to claim that freedom. God, if there's anybody in the room today that's convinced that they don't deserve your grace or deserve uh, your blessings, God, would you, uh, your, with your Holy Spirit, convince them otherwise? Would you speak peace and life into their lives right now. Father, we love you. And um, we give ourselves to you one more time. We ask you to lead us and guide us in the way that you want us to go all these things in Jesus' name.